man, that's such a great feeling to be like, okay, well, is it going to be these granola bars or these granola bars? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Something just completely avoided my grasp of what I was trying to say. And professionals can hop off of the the, the horse-drawn carriage where the wheels have just flown off, and they can hop onto the locomotive that's going yeah, by and right or the make time. it funny. Or yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, what um, what podcast do you listen to? So, what are your top couple of podcasts? So, yeah, just to get real meta about it, that's so in November and December, I've I've been finding time to kind of explore new ones and pull new ones in and have started thinking about them as types, not even by subject, but there are interview shows where it's one-to-one interviewing. There are group chat shows where you've got, uh, let's say, two to six people chatting about something, and the subjects are completely diverse. And then there's just like the one-person show. And it's funny, um, you can span all different subject matters, but it's those types of shows break out in very different um, ways. Uh, so what I found recently is that for like the last year, I've, I've just said to myself, man, when am I going to start brewing again? And so I started brewing again, and I'm listening to a lot of podcasts about brewing and or beer, beer world. Right, right. I don't Which listen to any fun. beer podcasts. I'd love to. T- tell me about the ones you listen to. Yeah, so uh, I may have to back out of Skype in order to pull up what their names are and stuff, but check this out. So here's just a here's a thumbnail sketch. Like four years ago, I was brewing, um, and I've been brewing for maybe 30 years on and off now. So I got back into it a few years ago and was listening to this network of podcasts all about beer called The Brewing Network. And, you know, it's just guys sitting around getting drunk talking about brewing. And you'd learn stuff, and it would be kind of fascinating. So now I've plugged back into those shows. And just as the craft beer world has exploded in the States in the last five years, it's also exploded in their podcast network. There's all these other shows available. And they're podcast has even spun off into a bar like a real world bar where people can go and hang out and some of the hosts of the shows now have their own breweries like there are at least two breweries real places that have spun off from the show and the programming has diversified to the point that there is a podcast this is the one that i listen to now where it's an hour and a half only about hours so it's only about sour oh, beer, and wow. it's called like the Sour Power Whatever Hour or something. It's just, it's amazing. Like, uh, so you that you can see uh, the explosion of craft brewing as evidenced by even just looking at a podcast network that has probably existed for five or ten years, and they've just grown by leaps and bounds. And, and it, they must have if there's just something on sours. Wow. Which is not my area, as you know, but you've always been into your sours and your old goose and that Ugh, kind of stuff. I love oh, it. See, there love you it. go. <laughs> you love that stuff. Oh, man. there It's funny. Sours have taken off here, and we've talked about it a little bit, but there's a new brewery here in Atlanta that only brews sours. Like, 
called uh, Orpheus, and I, and it seems like every major metropolitan city has something like that now. It's it's unbelievable, just the knowledge. And so here here's my here's my thought about it. Yesterday, I was talking to Al about it, and I, I, I thought, okay, so what happened during that first micro beer boom in the in the early and mid 90s <clears throat> yeah. when you and I were going up to Mendocino and stopping in in Hopland. Oh, and, Hopland. Uh, shoot, the, I mean, um, Red Tail Ale. <laughs> Red and Tail. Uh, they had one other one. Full Sail, maybe? Full Sail. I had the Hawk Stout. Yeah. yeah. And oh, uh, Hopland. all those Humboldt brewing Red Nectar. You liked Red Nectar. Yeah. And I remember to this day in Hopland being in that little, um, they kind of had a tasting room. Yeah. And they let us uh, have a handful of actual hops to put in our hands that they (laughs) use. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Whereas that's probably totally common occurrence now when you're touring craft and uh, artisan breweries these days. You get to take some hops with you. But back then it was huge because everybody, you know, in the, at least in the early 90s, mid 90s, was still drinking Coors and Budweiser and all that. Yeah, and uh, so a couple of things. I think I have memories of maybe twice going through Andersonville, California, on our way up north camping and stopping in at Boonville at Anderson Valley Brewing. Do you remember that? I don't, but I do. I do remember going to Andersonville. I'm sure we did. Yeah, I, I can't um, remember the name of the town. Is it Andersonville? Man, I don't know, something like that. Um, the, and it's funny, the two things from that town that are memorable, Anderson Valley Brewing is there. And then that is the location of this newspaper that I think won a Pulitzer Prize in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was this local community newspaper that maybe only published, let's say, a thousand copies or something. It was more like a flyer. And I'm bastardizing this and you could find it in, in a wiki entry somewhere. I think it was called the Anderson Valley Gazette and it had it had like such high quality journalism for this really super small town maybe it was created by a guy who had lived and worked in New York and was just kind of fed up and pulled up stakes and moved to the country but it was famous because of the letters to the editor and they eventually got published in a book and the letters to the editor, specifically from this one person, this woman named Wanda Tanaski. Do you remember this story? No, not at all. So this woman, Wanda, wrote these hyper-literate, super long, hilarious, sarcastic, biting letters to the editor of this small <laughs> Sonoma County newspaper. And they'd get published, like everyone she wrote would get published. And so as people kept reading these, they were like, Wanda Tanaski is a nom de plume. This person doesn't exist. And then they start looking at the references and what Wanda writes about and the thoughts. And people, people connected the dots and were like, this is Thomas Pynchon. Really? <laughs> yeah. And so it's widely believed that, that that's kind of what Thomas Pynchon was doing in Northern California for 10 years was like writing novels while writing these Wanda Tanaski letters to the Anderson Valley Gazette. Wow. That's hilarious. Isn't that a weird story? Yeah. I, you know, just talking about uh, Andersonville and Mm -hmm. Hopland and those areas made me remember 
you know, the Lost Coast. And is the word out on the Lost Coast? So do people go there now all the time, I, I guess? I assume the Lost Coast has, has long been found. Found, yeah, I would have expected so by now because it seems so desolate and, you know, um, remote back in the 90s. But, yeah, it must be. You know, though, now. It, was, it, was, it was remote because of the one kind of geographical feature that Route 1 went inland there and just left that part of the coast undeveloped, um, you know, between Eureka, Eureka in the north yeah. and then in the, it isn't even Eureka. There's two smaller towns. It's the town where you, where you go and leave your car. Right. I remember that town. It's got a supermarket that you <laughs> loved for some reason. You were so excited to go back to the supermarket. Because it's supplies. It's like it's the, the supp- last, like any <laughs> any supermarket that you go into before going into like a wilderness type setting is like the best supermarket ever. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely get your supplies. The stakes are that much higher, right? Oh man, that's such a great feeling to be like, okay, well... Is it going to be these granola bars or these granola bars? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you love them when you're out there. You <laughs> yeah, love them. right. I remember the first, because we were there two nights, I think. The first night, um, just to put some context to the year, we could probably almost find the, the month. Because I remember taking an outside magazine with me. Wow. And with a flashlight, I was reading that super long John Krakauer piece on Everest. Do you remember that? Yeah, Into Thin Air. It turned into, it turned into a book, yeah. So later it turned into that book. But it was that long piece he did for Outside that you know kind of put him on the map. Um, and I remember reading that with a flashlight. I think we probably passed it around and everybody had a chance to read it. But I was doing that the first night there. I remember that. Hey, check this out. Um... I don't remember that. I remember that outside being out. I remember, you know, when that mag- when that article dropped and it being kind of a sensation and my entire mind frame about mountaineering completely changing in terms of that article illuminated the fact that, oh, wealthy people can do whatever they want, even if it means putting themselves and other people and other innocent people like Sherpas in, in at death's door. And since, you know, like a lot of people, I think since then, like mountaineering just makes absolutely no sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Especially when, you know, people pay their way onto these things and the short roping and all that stuff. Um, but but yeah, that was, that was a crazy story, Uh, but you're right. It was a sensation. It It was was. absolutely, especially where we lived and, you know, you and I worked in Sausalito and, um, you know, we, we were mountain biking on the weekends and it, uh, you know, outside magazine was my staple at the time. I absolutely loved it. So check this out. There's this kind of news story that's spun out of, um, what you're talking about and it's, you know, John, John Krakauer's second book, or maybe even third, was about that kid, Chris McCandless, called Into the Wild. Oh, yeah, it turned into a film as well, right? Right. So that book about the kid in Alaska, he was in my sister's high school class. Um, we were all living in northern Virginia at the time. And uh, his sister was in my fifth grade class. And so... She's been in the news recently, maybe for the last two weeks, because of the release of her book, which is about her brother and kind of about the backstory that went into leading 
him up to Alaska, and it has to do with a lot of family abuse and um, just a really not good situation, especially with the dad of the family. So, of course, I didn't know anything about this. I was in fifth grade, and um, I always thought her name was Corinne, but apparently it's pronounced Corrine, which I, I always thought she was called Corinne McCandless. And I had a, I had a total crush on her, like as a fifth grader, you know, that, that like elementary school crush where like, you're kind of, uh, going out, but you're not going out because you don't know what that means. Right. Of course. Of course. (laughs) So my, my sister works for a publishing company in New York. They're publishing Corinne's book and she showed up at the office to kind of talk to folks there. And my sister got the book signed and my sister was telling her, Hey, we went to school with you guys in Northern Virginia. And she, my sister told her, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm Michael's sister. And Corinne had this kind of look of realization, I guess, because she inscribed the book as like, Hey, you know, (laughs) whatever, great to see you or not see you or hear about you. And it said, I'm still waiting for those earrings. What's that? And I was just like, what, what is that all about? And so my sister told me the story that Corinne told her, which was in fifth grade, let's say there was like a Christmas vacation and, uh, my family was going up to Massachusetts to see our extended family and her family was going somewhere to you know, on vacation. And apparently before we left on vacation, I was like, I'm going to come back with a pair of earrings for you. <laughs> oh my God. And she somehow remembers that. Do you actually remember that? Then? I, I would have never remembered it. Her mentioning it. I have this vague recollection about it. And here's the part that I have the vague recollection about. And this is what she confirmed in her story was that when we got back from vacation, uh, she was like, where are the earrings? Or I was like, I didn't get you earrings. Uh, I only had $5 and all the earrings were more than $5. Oh, God. Oh, it's so funny. That's so cute. Oh, cute God. Story. That's a ridiculous. <laughs> and that's a weird connection you have to John Krakauer then. Yeah, it's, it's a little strange. The other st- strange part... I don't know. I think I might have told you this before, but I was in Alaska at the same time Chris McCandless was there. And, you know, what were we? We were like these white kids, uh, you know, uh, early 20s, if not late teens. And Alaska represents something to to people who go up there. Like, why do you go to Alaska? You go there for some very specific reasons, even if you don't have specific answers. And maybe you're even trying to find them a little bit, but I was leaving Alaska because I'd worked up there for a year in between after my sophomore year of college. And I remember working the dates out one time because all the dates are in Krakauer's book. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was hitchhiking out of Alaska um, as within like a day or two of him going into the wild, coming up the out, coming up the road, which, um, the Denali Road, which kind of goes from Anchorage to Fairbanks. He was coming up that as I was coming out the Alcan, Fairbanks kind of uh, going east into Canada. So that that seemed really odd to me that um, 
you know, there's there's absolutely no meaning in that, but it was kind of an interesting coincidence. Yeah, I don't know anything about the story actually into the wild, um, but um, but it looks like something. I mean, is the film worth watching? The book honestly is worth reading. I'd say the All book's right. worth reading more than the film is worth watching. The film's fine, um, and apparently the re- one of the reasons why Corinne's book exists is because Into the Wild is like. Uh, taught massively across the U.S. in high school classes. Like 3,000 high schools get that book every year. Really? Yeah, because it's a total coming-of-age story uh, with a real huge warning. I mean, it's kind of about what, what teenage or young adult idealism can get you into. And it can, it can get you into a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he... And the big mess is interesting because I guess there's still maybe some conjecture about how exactly he was unable to get out and why he died. Um, there was some research a couple years ago about him eat the things that he ate, and maybe he ate these seeds, and the seeds themselves at that certain time of year were toxic enough to cause a problem that he could no longer venture out and find enough food to keep himself sustained so he actually died of starvation and then there's in the book it's more that i think he dies because he can't cross this river because of snowmelt it's yeah um it's been a while since i come through all the details but it's it's interesting because you know the wilderness is so named for a reason like stuff happens like it gets really it can get really raw and catch you like uh this is a little this is another little morbid weird thing but um Allison and I appeared in uh my high school my high school we went to, I went to this private school my dad taught at you might remember and um so there's a like an alumni bulletin magazine thing and so we were in that and it drove me to kind of look up some people because they've got the death notices in there and right. uh and I looked up this one kid I was on the cycling team with, and he he was backpacking in Colorado like 15 or 20 years ago, and like literally he just fell off a mountain. Like, right. it's just it's um yeah it's crazy, and I get those as well. So I get a um, an email kind of uh, update from my high school often, and um, it does mention stuff like that as well, and teachers who have died, and yeah, it's crazy. And if you think about averages, the law of averages, well, you know, of course, by this stage in our life, in our early 40s, you know, several of the people we went to high school with, you know, for one random reason or another would be dead. But it is, it's crazy to um, to read about it and to, to actually um, kind of come face to face with it. It just makes you feel like, wow, you know, a group of people, random occurrences are going to hit. Um, and, you know, we're still going, which is crazy. It's ridiculous, especially now as, you know, relatively new parents. It adds a real emotional wrinkle into all that. Yeah, that's true. It's so true. it's so funny, Eddie, to think about what your life would be like if, let's say, you were still single and, and, uh, and childless. Like, 
we were our lives were so um kind of full pedal full gas man when we were single <laughs> dude it's so oh true God. it's funny you say that i think about that from time to time and yeah it really was kind of caution to the wind and jumping on planes and going places which was great just absorbing um you know and and it's great that i have that under my belt and i feel like i've uh, i can always look back at at those crazy times but um yeah it was full tilt and it's it's good that we're here to tell the tale i know, I, know. That, I guess that's really, what i'm amazed yeah. about all right yeah, so yeah. so let me uh, let me rewind a step and i want to ask you the same question uh but we never circled back on on so what podcasts other than these beer ones there's this one that i found which is quite good and it's 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 like a nerd beer podcast where two tech guys talk about beer. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah. That sounds good. So they spend, you know, let's say 15, 20 minutes talking about beer and then, you know, a half hour talking about tech stuff, which is kind of a n- nice hybrid. Um, there's, there's two guys here in Atlanta who I don't know, but um, I've dipped in and out of their feed for a while and I'm back on it now and it's called One Beer, One Song. And that's another great hybrid. So they they have one beer and they talk about it and they play one song. Well, that's <laughs> good. So, you know, uh, these people. My are... only hesitance yeah, with, with the beer podcast that kind of because I tried them before and inevitably they're mainly American um, podcasts, which is fine because that's the kind of beer I'm super interested in. But the problem is I can't get any of them here. So it almost becomes a painful listen for me to hear them talking about a certain beer, a certain brewery, and there's just no chance I'm ever going to taste that beer. Yeah. It just kills me, which is, uh, you know, maybe I should look into, there's got to be somebody here in England doing similar podcasts of craft beer. There's got to be. Is and the, maybe turn that into something I can find. Yeah, it's the distribution dilemma. It's always it the is. distribution dilemma. Um, so... And then there's, I guess even outside of the U.S., you've probably heard the Hullabaloo about cereal, the podcast. Yeah, and it, uh, Hullabaloo, it's insane. I mean, it's been written up in the BBC, and The Guardian talks about it all the time. And it feels like people have described it as the watershed event for podcasts. It's kind of like people didn't know podcasts existed before cereal, um, or at least the mainstream media didn't talk about them much. Um, so now everybody's talking about this concept of, wow, do you download podcasts? Have you heard Serial? And it's funny to me that, you know, these people slugging away at some really good podcasts for the last 10, 12 years, um, you know, and there were several points where podcasts were super big at the beginning and then died out and then have kind of gone up again. And the few networks like five by five and twit network and mule radio and those guys have carried the torch still with relatively small audiences and now all of a sudden serial comes along and it legitimizes podcasts and i'm kind of got mixed feelings about that i've listened to serial and i i do like it i think it's really good um my wife and i you know instead of watching something on tv have been in the evenings just sitting there with a glass of wine listening to a serial um and I, I think the big test will be if they do a second series, a second or third, or what, what they do. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to me that it seems like the world has woken up to podcasts because of Serial. Is it 
kind of the same way? Have you seen it the same way in the States? Yeah, most definitely. There's, it's a, it's kind of exploding the attention onto podcasts. It's so funny to think about all the good ones you write that have existed and been doing amazing entertainment or information or conversation or interview. You know, it, it all spans the gamut. I realized something about it the other day in the office. We had a, a member of our board of directors or executive board. That's that's the better term for it. He came in the office and he was talking about cereal. Maybe it was a Thursday morning. It drops on Thursday morning here. And so people are usually talking about it on Thursdays. And I said to him, and it was the first time I said it, I said, out of all media, television, radio, movies, like out of any kind of media information or entertainment, I list, I spend the most time listening to podcasts. And... um. I think that's still relatively rare, but I just don't see why it's not going to catch on and spread as these phones become, it becomes more easier and easier to process stuff and subscribe to stuff and keep up with stuff. I mean, it's, it's just time shifting radio. Radio. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. It's like PVR uh, of radio without the ads. Although now a lot of them have ads and the worst are the ones that, the hosts themselves are speaking through the ads, which seems like the new way of doing it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it would seem like a no-brainer that especially, you know, driving, drive time, if you're not listening to music, a podcast makes a lot more sense than trying some serendipity on talk radio. Yeah, it just seems like it's just going to blow away all that stuff. I mean, I think it's it's got to seem... Yeah, what are you thinking if you're coming out of, let's say, a college like Ithaca College? I guess they have a radio and television a school. So what do you do if you're coming out with radio skills? You got to be wanting to go directly straight into podcasts. You want to make something like dinner party download or reply all, or you got to be looking at these people being like, this is the most radio lab. This is the most innovative, interesting audio entertainment out there. Why would I want to go work for, you know, Sean Hannity, this radio show or the blaze or whatever it is, right? That kind of, yeah. Or even what, um, I think, Sounds like it tried Sirius, the Sirius XM stuff. Yeah. That tried to kind of make what? The bridge between old crotchety radio and, in quotes, the internet age. But it seems like they're kind of, that's fizzling out, isn't it? Or is I, it still I, pretty? I think, I think satellite radio is an old model, too. It's, it's all about what's live. Oh, you can pause it for a few minutes if you're able to have that buffer in your radio. But, yeah, I don't understand why that will stick around um yeah all of this comes down to bandwidth though you know everybody needs bandwidth to download these you know multi-megabyte uh podcast files but it's good to know that it's coming around it's funny that i was thinking the other day like well, wait who started this and then i remembered i think it was at was it adam carolla or was it um was... Uh, adam curry was yeah, it? right. There was, it was another He's MTV the, guy. The podfather. Yeah, it's Adam Curry. <laughs> and he still does a podcast with John C. Dvorak. Wow. John C. Dvorak, you'll sometimes hear he's an old school tech TV. Yeah. And then I think he writes for PC World still. So he's a tech writer. But they do a podcast, weekly podcast, or twice weekly, I think, called The No Agenda Show. Oh. Which is kind of a... Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting show. It's got, unfortunately, a bit of a libertarian slant, um, but it's got some interesting points here and there. Um, but Adam Curry is a funny one, and he's started this kind of 
um, you know, the more of a patron um, form of compensation with podcasts. So there's this site called Patreon, uh-huh. um, where a lot of people who are starting podcasts sign up on Patreon. And Patreon is basically a site that takes donations. So rather than reading ads, if you enjoy the podcasts you're listening to, you'll go and donate, um, you know, like a nickel a day or a nickel per show, something like that, like a real small amount. You become a backer or a patron. Um, And there's a huge following of new podcasts that are coming out of patronage, like almost bringing that, um, you know, that Victorian... um, Georgian term, you know, writers who had patrons to do their work. Happy. Uh, hey, hi, honey. How are you? Uh, that's my daughter here. How are you? Are you doing good? Yeah? Okay. Um, I'll come right back down here. Okay. Are you cooking? What are you making? I'm not cooking. You're not cooking? No. Were you making mince pies? So it's Christmas here, and um, one thing that is an English Christmas thing, um, big thing, is mince pies. So I can smell them being cooked. Um, my wife and daughter are making mince pies for me because it's my favorite thing in the world. Oh. And it's it's got mince meat in it, which um, you know they they put in jars and save for years on end when you have a good mince meat um, kind of uh, canning. <laughs> which you do every now and again. And so it's got lots of fruit and um, cherry in it. And ooh, it's so good. Good stuff. It sounds amazing. Yes, it smells good here. It smells good here. So I totally forgot what I was talking about. Uh, patronage. Oh, patronage. Yes, the new concept, which, you know, in the podcast world, I'm, I'm happy to see it's taking, it, it, it's starting to take off. I hope it takes off in all kinds of content creation worlds, though. You, you know what I think might do it? Like, there's two things that are kind of on the verge of exploding, and maybe they could explode together. Or they could leverage each other. But this this idea of patronage that you're talking about, like, I've, I've given uh, money to Radiolab because they're... Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're my favorite. Um, and they do such a good job. And anyways, but if I could give a five cent, 10 cent tip in, in Bitcoin to a podcast with one click? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. It's not easy enough. Um, uh, and embarrassingly, the only podcast I give to is uh, like a daily tech news show podcast that I really like. Um, What's but that? I like this. I, it's called the daily, it's called the daily tech news show. <laughs> right, uh, DTNS, uh, the daily tech news show. And it's got Tom Merritt who used to be on CNET and then the Twit Network. It's just really good. It's like a really good half hour. And I feel like I don't have to, um, I don't have to follow all the tech blogs. I just listen to that on my morning drive. That sounds great. I, I got to really check that good. out. If anything, no ads, it, no ads. Just keep me, so nice. keep, if anything keeps me from loading a few browser windows, that's uh, worth its weight. It in does. Gold, right? And that's the thing is I feel like I don't have to do that or chase down um, my RSS feeds or make a Twitter list with, you know, Verge tweets oh, and all gosh. that stuff on it. I don't have to do any of that. I just listen to this half an hour a day. It's, it's such a nice way. And then, you know, for me, it's kind of, it's a business thing as well. So if I'm in a meeting and somebody says, oh, did you hear that, um, you know, Apple did this? And I'll be like, yeah, of course, I, I know that. <laughs> so it's, you know, it makes me more intelligent or sound more intelligent. 
Yeah, it's funny to think about how uh, certain things like that can increase your quality of life. Like that's that's giving you information in a way that's actionable and quick and uh, relevant and totally up to date. Uh, exactly. There, exactly. and then some of these things are just pure pleasure. You know, like like uh, Radio Lab's latest episode on the word button, and it has like three stories about that somehow relate to the word button. And it's just. <laughs> It's totally amazing. You got to check it out. Um, but yeah, there's so many ways to go about all this. And it's funny to uh, play a super small part. And by small part, I mean just the two of us and whoever else might happen to be listening. And uh, it's fun to to kind of experiment in it as well, to be part of the yeah. mix. Well, you know, and if it takes off, I say we go on Patreon and start making some bucks. But the, the the thing about that is, are they paying for the equipment with the donations, or I think maybe in the case of the Daily Tech News Show, it's paying his salary because he used to have a big job at CNET and then at Twit, and he wanted he I think he got tired of reading the ads part of it. So bravo to him to to set this up. But I guess it's got to pay his salary. Well, all right, let's just dispel this. I have no no visions of grandeur for our own podcast here, but I I did. Here are some facts and figures. You know, the the Startup Podcast, you've heard that one? No. So it's this guy who used to work at This American Life, if I'm getting everything right. He used to be a producer there. And he is starting a, essentially a kind of podcast network. And so, of course, if you're starting a podcast network, you're going to make a podcast about starting that podcast network. <laughs> Right. And okay. It's called yeah. Start Up the Podcast. It's really, it's really well done, Eddie, and I think you'd enjoy it. Um, okay. But anyways, he at one point he's so it's fully transparent or as transparent as he wants it to be. But I think he says that they, for the advertisements on that show, they're getting six thousand dollars for one episode. Really? Right. Right. So. And they've they raised a million and a half dollars these these guys, right? <laughs> they're, right. But they're also coming off of you know careers that basically the 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 best farm team for learning skills to make amazing audio content, and that's where the cereal lady came from too. Everybody's kind of coming from Ira Glass, which is amazing. Like that's the thing is that okay? Here I'm just going to go a little deep here, not too deep, but long in that this craft brew boom that we saw in the mid nineties. And now we've, we're seeing it explode again. I think part of the secondary explosion is because of the internet. I mean, it's hard to tease apart if it is or isn't the internet, but like the amount of information and the detailed, uh, uh, the details of that information that let's say I'm listening to with an hour and a half discussion about sours is at such a high level that knowledge only existed in a couple places in the world in the mid 90s and now it's available for free for anyone so some guy in minneapolis in his basement can be making clones of cantillon goose i mean you really can like go that deep with it and i feel like from the creation point of view and making these amazing beers, all these brewers are sharing tips and it's all internet based and then the consumers you know some of whom are friends of mine who are obsessed with these rating lists and, oh, I've got to have this number seven ranked beer. It's the only one I haven't had. I mean, the internet is fueling it. Don't you think the internet, in a way, um, causes or is encouraging people to become more OCD about 
you know, anything, hobbies. I find that I go down these rabbit holes, internet inspired, when I get into something that makes me get more into it and more obsessive about it. So remember a few months back when um, I was going to uh, retro video game shows and <laughs> looking into buying, uh, you know, I'd have to find the connectors and the, the, um, the JAMA PCB boards and all that stuff, which, you know, that rabbit hole was only there because of the internet. I think if I'd have played a few games um, and just kind of filled up and, and enjoyed myself, then I would have would never have gone down that road and gotten so obsessive about it. And to be honest, I'm kind of off that stuff now. Huh. And now I'm kind of into um, weird, and this is good because it kind of maps to my work a bit, but I'm actually legitimately super into it, is weird handsets and Android um Android devices, people doing weird things with Android devices and Raspberry Pis and that stuff. And that's like this other kind of crazy rabbit hole of stuff that's making me obsessive about all that. And I go from this one obsession to the next obsession. And I don't, I'm wondering if that's unique to me. No. Or if the internet kind of makes us these, um, these kind of crazy hungry obsessives about the smallest thing that we probably would have dropped and moved on from. Had it not been for um, all of this access and uh, you know limitless amount of information around it, here's here's what it is, Eddie. When when like we were first hooking up the internet at that first job that we were working at in Sausalito, there were people in that building who were like, "Oh, the internet? Okay. Well, can I get some email?" Like, or I don't really care. Like, they there are people who didn't get it or didn't care or didn't want to know. You and I. We're like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is like, you know, we could kind of see a future that we wanted to belong to coming through that Ethernet cable, right? And so our personalities were um, already aligned with this thing that was coming in our direction. And so we've just kind of continued to surf, for lack of a better term, down that down that path, right? It's kind of made, it was made for people with personalities like ours and there are other people who care less. So yeah. we were primed for it and uh, and it, it fit that receptor in our brain or whatever, more so than other people. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think you're, you're spot on with all that. But anyways, um, so that's just back to this other idea is that that second beer boom that's happening now that same thing is happening in podcasting where like this american life taught everybody what a good audio program could be like and then all the people that worked there and were influenced by it are now starting their own things which are gonna probably be bigger and better and make more money and be more influential as time goes on and they're like more pure internet plays rather than actually being something that you tune into on NPR on the radio so it's fun to see that second boom well here's a I guess a question about a spoiler because I'm not even sure how far behind well obviously obviously borders don't matter with this because the RSS feed is delivering this podcast but how many um, episodes is Serial supposed to have it's supposed to have 12 and it's already aired uh, 11 Ah, okay, got it, got it. Because I must be at like six or seven, so I'm late to the show. So when I was at about six or seven, I had this idea, and my idea was, and it, it's not unique to me, but I was like, this whole thing is not going to get wrapped up. 
Yeah, that's kind of how I feel exactly right now. My, and, and staff is convinced it's not going to. It's just going to be left open and we decide kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you know, and, I, I kind of hope I'm wrong. No spoiler, but after the 11th episode, the 11th episode was not presented in any kind of way that you would lead into a decisive conclusion with. You know what I'm saying? Right. The penultimate yeah. Of anything, you're kind of starting to set say, "Hey, I've got, I'm holding six cards here," and and next week you get to see what they are. In no way did 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 episode eleven show that. So, uh, the so the best part is like back to the popularity of this thing. It's so funny to talk about this. Is that we're going to experience what a I think we're going to experience next Thursday what a totally unsatisfactory ending is like and when dealing with the true true crime as a genre whether it's whether it's in literature or television nobody's used to that everyone wants murders to be nicely wrapped up and like oh they caught the guy oh they caught the wrong guy okay it's definitive okay he didn't do it he did do it and this is going to i my my hunch is that this thing is going to be anything but that and it's going to get yeah, people will be really upset or they'll have to really kind of check their own feelings about that she's got a real tricky script to write if in, indeed it's going to go in this kind of middle direction right well you know the i had an experience with this and i think you were the one that recommended it to me was this documentary called the staircase yes Yes, okay. And few people have seen that. Yeah. I recommend that to people every now and again. But that was also... Actually, I think that did kind of have an ending, but it was still kind of open in a way. Yeah. Um, but you were just shocked, and you just wanted more and more. And I, I think that's going to be interesting here, is people are going to want more to the point where, um, you know, I, I guess, knowing that I'm way behind you, but if this kid is still in jail and people feel he's innocent, it'd be interesting to see what the public does about that. Yeah, it's you know, and the other part is okay. Um, the other thing I was thinking about at about seven episodes in is how do you build an organiza- organizational structure from the size of two people up to the size of twenty thousand people like Apple that is c- firmly locked in on no leaks, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. how how if there was a definitive answer that's going to come out in this last episode, how can that not leak before the episode drops? Be- yeah, because let's face it, the episodes, there's some there's some production done on these suckers. Um, oh, yeah. Very glossy, very slick, the way everything is, is produced. So there's a lot of hands on it. Uh, so you're right. Yeah, you would think there would be a leak. Hey, here's something. This is a... This, or actually, it's funny. There doesn't even have to be a leak in the production of the podcast. I mean, can people just empirically know whether this kid is still in jail or not? Right, yeah. I mean, that, the facts are the facts, right? right? right. You could probably do it, an internet it, search and find out. The, this thing that's in the podcast realm is actually related to real people living real lives who are really alive right now, and there's consequences. Yeah, I mean, if you Googled the Anon kid or whatever, I guess you'd, you'd quickly find out. And I wonder if a lot of people hold off doing that because they don't want to spoil it for themselves. People have gone into it, and that's kind of the the second level story is all the investigations that these people on Reddit are doing uh, simultaneously with the serial producers. Right. So you know, I just did. Oh, yeah. oh. So here's something, Eddie. And uh, so, okay, we were talking about beer podcasts and whatever recommendations. 
I really I really like the dinner party download and it's one that not everybody seems to listen to and it's a lot of fun I think you'll enjoy it but the other one that I totally I listen to every episode and I love it is the long form podcast where they just for maybe 45 minutes interview a writer usually working in creative nonfiction and usually in a longer form about writing and about their pieces and about how they came to write and who they how they write and how it all works and it's turned me on to a lot of writers I wouldn't have known about otherwise and it's also plugged me into this world of people who care about language and artfully saying what they want to say in the most kind of economical way possible it's great interesting i've not i've not heard of it i definitely want to hear it yeah they have a fantastic app as well and yeah the long form podcast it's it's really fantastic i love it okay. yeah cool cool i'm on it cool mince pie time uh yeah i was about to say it is mince pie time because uh, i think um the little one is going to make another cameo on the uh, podcast in a second if, if i don't head downstairs for my mince pie Our, but um yeah ours is waking up from a nap as well good well good timing good timing all right my friend it's uh been a pleasure as always till next time till next time mm-hmm.